So I started that day. I walked into Pizza Express with my phone. This time, I said to, I walked into Pizza Express and I said to the guy behind the counter, "You got a dream, mate?" And he said, "Yeah, I've got a dream. I I I, I love the idea of being. I've got I've got art. I've got, I'd love to be an artist." I said, "Well, what's stopping you doing it?" So I I put it online. It's not selling. I'm like, well. What's your, what's your handle? And he blah, blah, blah. And I, I'll buy some of you. I gave him 150 quid as well. And then I put the video up and it blew up. Welcome to the Valente Brotherhood podcast, hosted by me, Joseph Valente, where we make men become great again. So for everybody in the room, could you tell us a little bit about your career? You know, 20 years in Hong Kong, what were you doing? What businesses have you been involved in? Yeah, well, um, First of all, thanks again for having me no here. Problem. I, I hope I can bring some value to everybody. I um, My story is a long one, as you'd expect, uh, with someone that's had a 30-year career. But I um, it, it started really at 15 years old. I had an argument with my mother, and she kicked me out of home. And uh, it was a really difficult time in my life. It was three weeks prior to that. My father had just suddenly passed away of a heart attack. And I found myself on the streets. I was homeless. And call it stubbornness call it luck, I just had no choice but to start a business. Mm -hmm. And as bizarre as it sounds, it had never crossed my mind up until that point to start a business. School certainly had never taught me anything about business, which is now something I'm on a warpath to fix, fix the school system. But when I left school uh, and left home, I, uh, I lived one week in this pretty much squat, if I can only describe it that way, it's a nice way of describing it, I think. And I, um, was desperate. Now, I didn't have a national insurance card, so I couldn't get a job, even if I wanted. Didn't have an address, couldn't get a job, even if I wanted. So I was walking about past a house in Cambridge, this big, massive house that had a really messy garden. And I say sometimes to people, the first time in my life, the entrepreneurial muscle woke up in my brain. And suddenly it said to me, why is that garden messy when these people have a nice house? It shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. They must have money to sort it out. So I went up, knocked on the front door, and I said, I remember like it was yesterday, hello, my name's Simon Squibb. I've got a gardening company, and I'd like to help you with your garden. They must have looked me up and down and laughed. But at that moment, for some reason, they took me seriously and said, oh, great, you knocked on my door. I'm really busy at the moment. I haven't had time to sort it out. How much do you charge to take care of the garden? And I just made it up there on the spot. <laughs> 200 pounds, I said. Uh, and to my shock, the person said, sure, let's give it a go. And so I was like, oh, crap, I, in my head, oh, crap, I've now have to take care of someone's garden. <laughs> um, and I walked down the drive just thinking, okay, well, that's 200 pounds. That's, that's a lot of money to me. And I'm like, okay, but it's not enough to buy the equipment and do all the things I didn't have to do it. So I thought I better knock on some more doors. Yeah. And then that one day I knocked on over 100 people's doors and 11 people said yes to me being their gardener. Wow. And I started a gardening company. And I never looked back really. Um, I had quite a lot of businesses fail. Let's give a round of applause for that. Great story, amazing. Yeah. Real get up and go stuff. Thanks, yeah. It wasn't until years later I realized um, that I had been incredibly lucky mm -hmm. to be kicked out of home. Mm -hmm. And I'd been incredibly lucky that the first person said yes. Because I think sometimes in sales, we all know, not often does the first person say yes. <laughs> so um, I've learned that later uh, in my career that that was an important thing to resist the belief that something wasn't going to happen because someone said no the first time you pitched it. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, and then I, um, I had a really lucky break. Again, uh, uh, my gardening company failed. Mm -hmm. It really did well, and then the winter came. And it, I didn't know anything about secular business models. And um, it grew and grew and grew. I had 35 people working for me, yep. and it was incredible. And then the winter came, and everybody said, we're going to stop for a few months. I'm like, you can't stop. I need income. Mm. <laughs> uh, so um, What was that? The, the work just dried up? 
Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Everybody said yes, wanted their gardens taken care of, and then October, November, and then people were just like, look, Simon, we just I don't want to spend any money October, November, December, January in the garden. It just dies. Yeah. So come back to it in April. But then suddenly I had all this system in place. Mm-hmm. I, by that point, rented all this equipment and got bought a deal for a shed to keep it all in. And basically, mm-hmm. I built up a whole infrastructure around it. Yeah. Um, but then it failed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then I started a separate business. And I always say every time I failed, it's lucky because... If this business hadn't failed, I wouldn't have done the next business. Yeah. So the next business was an accommodation business, and and I started up. And long story short, I sold that for a little bit of money. Mm-hmm. And um, when I sold it, the accountant said to me, uh, "If you leave the UK and you out for a whole year for more than ninety days, you don't have to pay capital gains tax on it." Mm-hmm. So at twenty-two years old, I jumped on a plane and moved to Hong Kong nice. and slept on a friend's couch in Hong Kong. <clears throat> and of course, uh, by that time, entrepreneur bug <clears throat> had bitten me. Mm-hmm. And I started a business in Hong Kong. And that business, to cut a very long story short, was called Fluid. And I sold that business to PricewaterhouseCooper a few years ago for more money than I'll ever need. Fantastic. And I thought I would retire. But it turns out retirement's not for me. So um, fast forward then to uh, TikTok. Because I think there's something amazing that you're doing with this platform. You know, not only are you doing great things, but you're also um, blowing up on the platform. And I was watching a video on your website this morning about, you know, how you can monetize TikTok and build your brand. So I'd love to talk a little bit about that. But um, one thing that I saw was, and I don't remember her name, but so effectively what Simon does from the content that I've seen, he goes out, speaks to people on the streets of London and, and stops them and asks them, would you like to start your own business? Why haven't you? And then um, we'll offer them, you know, some money towards helping them get started. And along that journey, you've met lots and lots of inspiring people. Yeah. 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 So the, it, it started out really, um, I went on TikTok live mm-hmm. and I was, I do, I promise everybody in my network that I will help them for free. Um, this has recently changed because someone gave me 10,000 pounds to mentor them. So I, I, I don't know how I'm going to deal with it because I normally say I'll help people for free. Mm-hmm. And someone just paid me £10,000 to mentor them. So I'm now, okay, I can't say that anymore. But for the last three years, I've helped everybody for free. And one of the things um, I noticed is um, a lot of the time people, um, so for example, I would do content saying to people, this is how you do sales. These these are the three steps that getting any sale guaranteed. These are the three steps. And it was very niche. And certain people would watch it. But I'd noticed that not a lot of people were watching it. A lot of people that needed to hear it weren't watching it because they got Netflix and they got Disney Plus and they've got some YouTube shit going on over mm-hmm. here. Mr. Beast is entertaining. Why the hell mm-hmm. are you listen to some guy teach you the three steps of sales in 60 seconds, right? Yeah. So uh, long story short, I thought, well, why don't we, myself and the team, we brainstorm. Well, why don't we, instead of just doing education content, which we do, mm-hmm. why don't we do what we call fun education, right? So fun education is where you, and this is what we did. We went into the street. I've missed a step here. It's very important. I went on TikTok and said to people, look, come on my live on TikTok and I'll give you mentorship. And someone came on my live and gave mentorship. I gave them mentorship. And then on TikTok, they just started a new feature where people that like what you, they hear can gift. Are we live on TikTok now, by the way? So um, normally on, on any given live on TikTok, throughout the live cycle, I get about 20,000 views, right? At least in that real-time live, right? So... Uh, so 20,000 people will be coming through this TikTok live at some point. Sometimes more. I've had 150,000 is the maximum. Filling this football stadium up four times. People listening to what I'm saying. And I was giving advice to someone. And when I came off the live, right, someone had gifted me 
on there. People had gifted me. I'd made £150, basically. Nice. I was like, shit, I'm supposed to be helping people for free. Mm -hmm. That's my pledge. And I just got £150. So a bit like the £10,000 problem. I'm like, well, what's the right way to deal with this? Now suddenly I've earned £150 from it. So I decided to give it away. And I was in Sainsbury's and there was this kid filling up shelves. And I was just walking by and saying, hey, mate, do you have a dream? He's like, I do, yeah. I just dream of one day having my own record label. I was like, oh, that's really cool. I said, I believe you can do it. He said, really? I said, there, there's 150 pounds. I didn't film it, by the way, this one. Didn't, didn't film it, gave it to him. And uh, I just kind of saw him like, this is like, I don't know, like intervention or something. Mm -hmm. Like a stranger hearing my idea, saying he likes it, giving me money. Like that's all kind of something. I just saw something magical happen. And I thought, you know what? I left and I thought, that is magic what just happened there. Mm -hmm. Like we changed someone's life there. Made him believe he's gonna go home now and tell his family what happened. He's probably never told them about his dream. They're like, you should just get a job, mate. You know, just go to university, get a job. It's all gonna be. This is the route. He's gone home now and told his family about this guy that gave him 150 pounds to start his record deal. And I can just see like some sort of magical like it's intervention. It's a sign. He told all his friends. It's a sign, mate. You know, you can just see it, right? So I started that day. I walked into Pizza Express with my phone this time. I said, to, I walked into Pizza Express and I said to the guy behind the counter, you got a dream, mate? And he said, yeah, I've got a dream. I, 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 I love the idea of being, I've got, I've got art. I've got, I'd love to be an artist. I said, well, what's stopping you doing it? So I, I put it online and it's not selling. I'm like, well, what's your, what's your handle? And he blah, blah, blah. And I, I'll buy some of you. I gave him 150 quid as well. And then I put the video up and it blew up, right? People are like, oh, it's this guy. Well, I'd love to support him. Some really magical things that suddenly clicked in. One was this person's dream was being shared, so that person was getting help, right? Mm -hmm. their, their dream was being shared. They were being marketed for free to the world. The second thing was people listening were inspired by someone else's dream. Third thing, this got really exciting, the people listening in offered to help, right? The community that were, were listening to the TikToks were now also saying, hey, we can help you, let us buy some art. Let, what can we do to help you? And so suddenly, we were all in it together to help this person that speaks to Express or in Sainsbury's make their dream happen, right? Because no one can make it on your own. None of you here can make it on your own. I didn't make it on my own. I had a lot of help. Maybe I can write a book about how brilliant I am, about how I moved to Hong Kong at the right time and opened up a creative agency and learned about purpose or how to make my want and need. I'm genius. I could write a book like that, but that would not be the truth. I had luck, a lot of it. And a large part of that luck was help. So I came up with this concept in my head and I told my team, well, I sent the videos to my team and, and we were like, this is fucking brilliant. Right? It ticks all the boxes for us. It's entertainment. So people are watching it by accident and then learning about business by accident. Brilliant. People don't want to be preached to. Talking heads at a camera is over. Mm. No one wants to be preached to about how to do something. But when we do our videos, like we did one video that blew up recently and this lady wants to open up a business and we're like, why don't you crowdfund it? She's like, I don't know how that works. We explain it. She's exciting. And then she launches a crowdfunding site. Suddenly everyone listening is learning about how to, how to raise money for a business while being entertained and inspired by the individual who's going for it in their dream. Mm -hmm. Right? So my platform isn't about promoting Simon Squibb. It's about promoting these individuals that have a dream. And then the community that listen, helping that person's dream happen. And that, is, that, is, that changed everything. It, it took us from what I think initially was just like me trying to educate people through content and, and a little bit of you know, mentoring to like being this. How many followers have you got now? So uh, 1.3 million on TikTok, uh, 122,000 on Instagram, mm -hmm. 
um, 350,000 on Facebook. And yeah, so I initially just focused on TikTok. Mm -hmm. And Instagram kind of happened recently because I started putting the content up on Instagram. So it's very recent Instagram. Mm -hmm. uh, but all of it, very important. A couple of points. Who, in the, who in the room is using TikTok? Who doesn't use it? <laughs> who thinks they're too old for TikTok? Yeah. yeah. Don't ever do that to yourself. Mm -hmm. yeah? Don't ever think you're too old for something. It's a big mistake. Mm -hmm. Every single bit of technology that comes along can help your business. Spend a week on it and then decide it's no longer for you. I think a lot of people make an assumption. That mm -hmm. This is what happened to me. When I first went on TikTok, you know, within the business community, people were laughing at me a little bit. Yeah. They're like, oh, it's this guy going on TikTok. Isn't it for kids dancing? Mm. I'm like, no, no, you, you don't. Have you been on TikTok? No, it's for kids dancing. I'm like, you don't fucking know. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you don't know. It was on a TikTok live that someone offered me £10,000 for a mentor session for one hour. Mm -hmm. I bet you don't think that someone on TikTok would pay £10,000 for a one hour mentor session. Now, that's not the business I'm in. Right, I'm not. I'm not in that business, but I'm saying that that's that those people are there, mm -hmm. and people missed out. And because I was there at the beginning of the trend, now everyone's on TikTok. Mm -hmm. It's in my space. Everyone's trying to be on on TikTok selling their wares. But I was there at the beginning, right? So I already have three years worth of community build and relationships mm -hmm. on that platform. But I, I, I think seems like you've got a good knack, for, good knack for timing. You can hack luck, but mm -hmm. it's, a lot of it is luck. Luck mm -hmm. is a hackable thing. There's a three-step process to hacking luck, but it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's about luck. So um, just staying on TikTok, one of the uh, videos that I saw, and I think it was you talking about um, what happened, actually. Uh, there was a lady that was homeless, and you approached her, and um, I forget her name. Andrea. Andrea. Yeah. 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 And, um, you know, you ended up giving her a phone, and... She now has become, it, was it the homeless influencer she's yeah. named herself? Is yes, that yeah. her name? So she's built her own brand and now does her own content. And do you want to just tell us a little bit about that story? Because I was blown away. I thought, this is phenomenal, you yeah. know? So, so um, people are complicated. So let's just say that first up, right? There's no linear success story where someone starts here and it's just straight up, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, so when I describe this story, there's highs and lows in the story. It's a very long story. But I was homeless myself. As I mentioned earlier, so whenever I walk past a homeless person, I try to at least uh, give them some respect, right? I remember people walking past me and thinking I was on drugs. I wasn't, assuming that there was something wrong with me. That I was there. It was my own fault. I remember feeling that, uh, and so I always remember that feeling. I don't remember. I don't forget where I've come from. So whenever I walk past someone that's homeless, I try to be respectful, help where I can and do what I can. Now, I'm not pretending to be a martyr, I'm just, you know, that, that's how I feel because I remember being in that situation. And one day, I was walking past Andrea, and I was actually in um, Hampstead, I don't know if you guys know Hampstead, but that's where I live, and I was walking past her, and I was going to get myself some ice cream. This is back when the weather wasn't shit. And, uh, and, and, and I, I walked past her, just kind of waved to her and got ice cream. And as I was getting myself ice cream, I thought, well, I'll get her some ice cream. Right, so I got two tubs and walked back and, and um, I said, oh, you know, do you want some ice cream? And I said, can I record your story? You know, why are you here? You know, mm. I think a lot of people don't understand. I was thinking of my own story back then, but like, people don't understand why someone's actually, especially a woman, you know, even more so. I think, well, why is a woman in the street, you know, like this? Why is she having to sleep in the street like this? So she said, sure, go, go ahead, record me. So I just recorded her story and it was a very sad story about her partner dying and, uh, at the end, I said, well, thank you for sharing the story. I think it's important people understand why people are homeless. There's 250,000 homeless people in the UK, right? Homeless has been created by us as well. Homelessness didn't used to exist when we were tribal. 
There was no one outside the tent in your tribe that didn't have somewhere to stay, or in the cave, didn't have somewhere to stay. We've created homelessness through this brilliant capitalistic system that we live. I'm a capitalist by, by nature, so I'm not anti-capitalist, but we have actually created certain problems, and one of them is homelessness. So her story was amazing. I go home that night. I gave her a bit of money for accommodation. Mm -hmm. I said, look, you know, here's some money for a hotel and whatever you need and some food. And, you know, I wish I could do more. You know, thank you for sharing your story. And I went home, I uploaded the video and it went mental. It just went viral. And um, again, I remember talking to Talia. I was like, oh, I've got to go tell her. I've got to go tell Andrea. Because in the comments, it made me fall in love with humanity again. It reminded me that people are good despite what the media tell us. And in the comments, people were like, I'm going to go see her today. I can help her. She can come and stay at my house. She's beautiful. Um, just, it was just incredible. Thousands and thousands and thousands of kind, mm -hmm. positive energy comments alongside twats mm -hmm. in the Conservative Party posting in there. Um, I'm always thinking about politics. You know, uh, the whole thing about politics. But anyway, point is uh, that a few days went past. And I said to Talia, let's go back and see her. Mm -hmm. And she was back in the street, right? So I was like, oh, you're back in the street. Second video. You're back in the street. Yeah, thanks so much. I got accommodation for a few days. It was great. I'm like, I've got to tell you, Andrea, there's so many people who want to help you. I've got to show you. Do you know what TikTok is? She's like, no, I don't know. What is that? I'm like a social media app that's just mental. And I, I, let me show you. So I, I'm showing you. I'm showing you. Like, look, all these people just like love you. You're beautiful. You're amazing. What an incredible human. You know, what a wonderful story. How she stayed with her husband when he was sick and all mm -hmm. this. Amazing, amazing, amazing. I was like, just want you to see all the energy. You know, like all these people that love you. There's 10 million views at this point, right? 10 million views. So uh, I'm like, I actually earn money because of this. These views on TikTok. Mm -hmm. So let me give you some more money. You know, like what can I do to help you? And I said, what do you need? And she said. I need a phone. And she pulled out her phone, which is like an analog old generation phone, cracked, you know, like this is what I've got. She, she doesn't have a smartphone, mm -hmm. right? Imagine not having a smartphone. You, you wouldn't believe how hard it is to operate in today's world without smartphones. We don't even think about it now. But that means she has no access to knowledge on YouTube. She has no access to what's happening on platforms like TikTok. So in that moment, I said to her, I'll, I'll get you a phone and I'm going to do one better than that. I'm going to teach you how to make money on social media. Mm -hmm. So we went across the road in Hampstead. There's a Vodafone. I walked in this phone shop. This begins to show you what it's like for people that are trapped in this bottom tier of society. I'd like to get a phone, Vodafone, for Andrea. Unless you've got an address, you can't get a phone. So like, you can only do contract phones. So we need an address. I'm like, no, I just want to buy a smartphone. No, can't do that. You need to be on contract. You've got to have an address. I'm like, we're fucked then, aren't we? Anyway, again, Talia saved my life. Found the only place in the whole of Britain... You can get a phone, well, not on contract. Big shout out to Argus, right? Argus is the only place. They're not a sponsor. Should be. I mentioned this story a million times. Bought her a phone. Gave her the phone. Showed her how to do TikTok. Just showed her how to set it up and what it, a little bit how it works. Anyway, she suddenly pops up three days later with an account on TikTok and just says, thank you, Simon, the team. Uh, you know, it's been really, I had a clean shower, nice sleep, and I'm really enjoying learning about how social media works. We retweeted it on our system, equivalent to retweeting, reposting. Mm -hmm. And suddenly, she got 100,000 followers. It took me about a year to get 100,000. The first 100,000 is the hardest. 
And within 72 hours, she was this kind of sensation wow. on, on TikTok. What was really exciting was when she goes live, people can give her a gift. So she was starting to make 30, 40 pounds a day from TikTok. So, and, and maybe this is a bit um, crazy to say, say this, but in my mind, I was like, this could help a lot of homeless people. Mm-hmm. You know, like a lot of homeless people, it's very hard for them to suddenly get a job and go nine to five. First of all, turning up to an interview, having been able to shower and have clean clothes on is hard enough. But what if you could actually give people the ability to make money on social media? Use social media for social good, right? And all we did was give her a 200 quid phone, mm-hmm. you know, and a bit of training. You know, like to me, it was it was unbelievable. And then what was really amazing, and I think a lot of inspiration I got from Andrea was when she went live on TikTok, she would share her life. So she was walking past a Tesla, and, I, and I've got one, so I'm sure you guys have got one. It does this light show, you know, when it does all this lights. And she was so excited. She was like, look, everybody, this cast. And, and she, she was showing her life, not in the way that people think her life is. She wasn't depressed. She has days where she's depressed. Don't get mm-hmm. me wrong. No one, we all do, right? But she was showing a side to homelessness that I think we should see more, that she has friends and she has a life. She has a personality, a sense of humour. She laughs, she cries. And I think we don't only see the people in the street that are sitting there with a sign and we think, oh, is this part of a scam? Is this part of a network? Are they on drugs? You know, we all have this image of what a homeless person was. And for the first time on social media, I was seeing someone sharing what it's really like to be homeless. Mm -hmm. And she was sharing her journey. And... I was very proud to be a part of that. Um, Amazing. Yeah, and where's so, she, where's she at now? So this is the highs and lows. Uh, so and I and I kind of hate this bit because mm-hmm. I don't want it to play into the um, what's the word, the parody of what a homeless person is. Yeah. She was very open about this, mm-hmm. but she did have a drug addiction yeah. problem, and she has medicine to deal with it. Mm-hmm. But long story short, she had to get proper medical help. Yeah. For her drug addiction, mm-hmm. we raised four thousand pounds for her. I think it was the final number. I might be not as much as that was it in the end. Three, three something. Anyway, nearly four thousand pounds. Last time I looked, it was three something. Nearly four thousand pounds for her to get accommodation, mm-hmm. pay for a deposit, and get help. Mm-hmm. So she's presently getting help. Brilliant, amazing. Um, and you know, it's a journey. I've never been a drug addict, but I know a few mm-hmm. people that are. It is a journey of highs and lows. Uh, people say you never stop being a drug addict, mm-hmm. um, and and certainly, um, you know. Andrea is fighting hard to get over that, but she's got support now. She's got a community online that support her. Yeah. She's got some money to support her, and, and hopefully she'll, she'll be fine. Uh, but yeah. we can't do that bit for her. Yeah. I guess that's one of the things you have to learn when you're in this space I'm now in of helping Absolutely. people. Absolutely. That people still need to help themselves, mm-hmm. and that, that bit, we, we can only say we're always there for her, which we yeah. have said. We'll always support her. But we can't do that bit for her. What an amazing thing to do, my man, though. Let's give you a big round of applause for that. You know, you're really making a massive, massive impact. So just staying on TikTok then, because I want everybody in this room to get on TikTok, by the way. Simon's smashing it on TikTok. There's huge opportunities. So what? So what's that done for your brand, your personal brand? Because everybody here is trying to build a business. We've had some great speakers over the last five months talking about building personal brand and the opportunities that it creates. Um, and so, you know, I want everybody in this room to focus on building their personal brand. Because, you know, if you sell and exit your business and you put everything into your business and you don't have a personal Personal brand, then what equity do you have left? Other than obviously big sums of money if you get it. Yeah. Right? Um, but so so what has it done for your personal brand? So um it's a really interesting subject, and 
I fell into the category, you know, earlier I get a little bit of go at you, like, don't think TikTok's like that, you know, like, I think I had the same thing about personal brand. I made a mistake with personal brand. So my, my business experience and philosophy up until a few years ago was I don't want to be a personal brand. Like, mm -hmm. if, if, if my company Fluid was called Squib Inc., mm -hmm. right? Cool name, by the way, I know, but... I think that it, I wouldn't have sold it to PwC so easily, mm -hmm. right? And I'd probably still be there. So I think a lot of people do personal brands slightly wrong. And I believed, up until recently, I believed build a company brand yeah. first. Because that company, then someone else can run it. Someone, and you can sell it. I cannot sell Simon Squibb. Mm -hmm. I know someone in Hong Kong that did sell their name. Big problem for them guy called Harland, opened up a restaurant called Harland, got an investor in, trademark Harland, the company owned it. He then fell out with the investor. That person owns his name. <laughs> right? So those sorts of stories, he couldn't call anything Harland. His name's Harland, you couldn't call any business Harland. Yeah. It's owned by this investor that he fell out with, right? So to me, you know, those, that sort of experience alongside like the experience I had building companies and selling them, told me that if I wanted to uh, not be forever linked to that business, mm -hmm. don't make the business Simon Squibb. Yeah. I have now, I think it's about stages in life. And I just think, sorry to interrupt, but that's a great lesson there for everyone in the room is, you know, build a lot of people in construction, as you know, they'll use their initials. Right. Yeah, for, yeah. For to, to start their brand. So you've got to think of that brand and how that's perceived by the market. And, you know, as Simon's saying, what happens when you exit? You know, how, how do you want that brand to come across? Funnily enough, there was a big construction company in England called Squib. Do you guys know it? Anyone knows it here? Yeah, so I own the trademark. So uh, they don't. Um, which is, you know, another really important point. Take your personal name and trademark it. It might sound bizarre, but own it. It's 250 quid. You can do it online yourself. I use the trademark laws because I don't have time. But, you know, I think it's something to own. Uh, and you might be surprised how important it becomes in life and people don't do it they don't think their name is good why would anyone copy your name right so someone stole originally simon squib to uh, tiktok simon squib so i had to take simon squib eight right and then when i got the trademark i did a partnership with tiktok as well this helped best experience ever i basically said tiktok i'm partnering with you great i want my original handle should be simon squib someone's stolen it here's my trademark within 24 hours they, they transferred it to me so that person, whoever stole it, logged in one day. I'm like, shit, it's gone. And it, I was using it. And it was brilliant. You realize these are privately owned companies. Behind the scenes, someone on the computer just went, click, 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 delete old owner, transfer to Simon Squibb. And suddenly, all my followers are transferred to this new handle. Um, and partly because of my partnership in the trademark. Anyway, trademark's very important. But I guess, uh, going back to your original uh, question, the personal brand stuff. I think like a business, you need to know why you're building a personal brand. Right. So originally, when I started this new project called The Purposeful Project, I originally started it by doing a podcast. Mm -hmm. Right. And the whole idea, and I've interviewed now over 200 of the world's most successful entrepreneurs. The original idea was I'll interview these people and we'll have mentorship for free in a one hour podcast that anyone can then download. Like mm -hmm. you won't be able to get hold of Nick Jenkins, who mm -hmm. founded Moonpig, but I've got what he knows in a podcast so you can just plug it in over coffee you can listen to as if he's there you can listen to mm -hmm. his story and his lessons there you go mentorship on a podcast and originally i called it the good luck club right that was because these people were all lucky and i had a formula around luck mm -hmm. everyone's lucky if they're successful and that was great 
And then slowly what I noticed was a, a change in how people perceive what they're going to view and what they're not going to view. And this probably started with the Kardashians and uh, I think, then, you know, Steve Jobs, um, you know, Richard Branson to an extent. I think people started to be more interested in the people behind the companies mm-hmm. than the companies. So at Fluid, I was definitely Simon Squibb that owned Fluid or Simon Squibb that started Fluid. Much to Helen, who was my partner in the business, she used to get a little bit pissed off because actually it wouldn't have happened without her, but everyone knew me as the guy that created the company. And I think... That worked back then, but what I noticed over the last few years is that personal brand is almost like, I know a CEO, for example, recently, who got fired from a very high profile job, I won't mention who they are, they can't get another job as a CEO because they have no social media presence. Mm -hmm. Because these companies now almost see them as like, we want a Steve Jobs, you know, we want, even Tim Cook, who is actually naturally a shy person, has to have a persona, has to have a brand value persona. And I think that personal brands become almost like an extension. Now, I didn't initially want to do Simon Squibb. Tally and the team pushed me. They'll look at you again, it's your fault. I, I originally was resisting personal brand. I was doing personal education because I could say the Purposeful Project, which I run, has been there and done it. Mm-hmm. I've had no money and started a company, made millions, sold that company, started another company, made millions. I know, I have the authority, I've done it. I'm not bullshitting, I'm not pretending, I've done it. So I had to have myself behind the Purposeful Project, but I slowly realized the traffic wasn't really there. Mm. Um, and, and I think Purposeful Project as a brand is now quite well known, but it's nowhere near as famous as me. Mm-hmm. And so I just leaned into it. I leaned into the Simon Squibb. And you see on, on things like TikTok, uh, Facebook now has come back, by the way, don't overlook Facebook, uh, and Instagram, and YouTube Shorts, all short form content, it's all people. You go look at the best brands out there in business, and I say best loosely, but let's say um, someone like Gary Vee, for example, you may or may not know him, but he's quite a prominent business person, says a lot of of things. But if you look at his personal brand, and the numbers are massive, and you can look at his companies, and his companies in the digital marketing business. So he's one of the best digital marketing people in business, and he owns a company that's in digital marketing, Their personal social media is shit. His personal social media, amazing. So that's the trend. And you look at any CEO now, any any leadership business that in the future is going to be built on personal brand. And and actually it starts right at the top. So if you look at YouTubers now launching drinks brands. Mr. Beast launches a burger business. It becomes bigger than Five Guys. I love Five Guys and I don't really like Mr. Beast Burger, but it's bigger than Five Guys. Right, because he's got the community, he's got the following. He can launch any business of his platform. Someone offered him a billion dollars for it recently. His, his YouTube channel, and he said, "No, he, I have the same opportunity." Right, I have millions of followers, and as long as I align it with my community and my values, I can launch any business from that platform. So it's kind of again, I think Kardashians need to be given credit probably for this original model. Mm. But you know, once you have that that platform, you can launch, and that's the bit I didn't really understand, I think. I always thought, shit, now, if I want to sell my business, I'm going to have to sell Simon Script. No, I will never sell Simon Script. That's impossible, and I, I know people have done it. Big mistake. They've signed contracts. In fact, some personal brands do sell themselves. Like Fox News are renowned for signing contracts with their anchors where they're basically owning their personal brand. Right. Musicians, the same. 
they sell themselves to music companies. I've got a musician, an ex-famous musician works with us. He basically signed with Sony and they own his name. And when they fired him, they would not give him his social media handles because they own them, right? So there's some lessons to be learned in personal brand. You can never sell it. Equally, however, no one can ever take it from you. Mm -hmm. Only you can take it from you. Only you can fuck up and do something that makes that brand good or bad, right? But it's a powerful tool that I'm so glad Talia and the team, Talia in particular, pushed me to do, right? Because I was resistant at first because I thought, I want the purposeful project to be able to run without me one day. So if I am the person that's making it all work as a personal brand, that's a problem. And I missed this important point, which is once you have a following and a community, you can launch things like the Purposeful Project. We've got all sorts of exciting things we've got planned in the next 24 months because of my social media following. And so I can't sell my social media following, except one exception. Companies will now pay me £15,000 for one post. I can't tell you how hard I used to work for £15,000 digging up a fucking garden. <laughs> right? And so... You know, we just had one company offer us a lot more than that. And we said no, because it didn't fit with our moral mm -hmm. code. But the point I'm trying to make here is it's incredibly powerful. Now, I don't know whether my rate card is going to go up and I'm going to be charging 2 million like the Kardashians, or it's going to drop down and I'll be doing it for 100 quid. I don't know. But I know for sure that it's an asset. And of course, I don't want to be beholding to any one social media company either. So mm -hmm. back. I was just on TikTok and now I've diversified. I'm now on mm. YouTube. I've got 85,000 subscribers on there now. I'm on Instagram, as I mentioned, 120. Facebook's come back, 350,000 on there, and TikTok, 1.3 million. So even if one channel, for whatever reason, gets deleted, cancelled, blocked by the government, whatever it is, I have a bit of protection equally. And this is probably the final lesson I'll share on this. Sorry mm -hmm. if I'm talking too much about this. No, that's great. The one thing I think as well that I've done with the personal brand that's important is people sign up to your mailing list. People, do you want a direct relationship with your, with your customer, just like a business? And I've only had this realization in the last six months. So, you know, you have all the followings, that's great, but you also ideally want to have a direct relationship. An email no one can take away from you. TikTok mm -hmm. can get banned by the government because they're trying to negotiate with China over something. So they'll ban TikTok to make a point. Equally, Facebook could blow up tomorrow and some big nightmare and it closes, you know, like mm. whatever. You don't want to be beholding to any one platform uh, in business in general as a personal brand even more so. Yeah, fantastic. Can I get a show of hands now? Who wants to do TikTok for 15 grand a post? Yeah, the opportunity's there. Yeah. So monetizing the platform then. Yeah. What is that based on following? Is it based on the content? Like what sort of brand, what sort of brands come to you and say, I want to do some stuff with you? So um, two questions there. Yeah. Don't let me forget the second one about how, yeah. how brands deal mm -hmm. with me. Um, I'll answer the first bit first, how to monetize on TikTok. Now there's, a, there's, there's four ways you can monetize on TikTok itself. Before I explain those four things, there's one thing I want to make sure I say. I guarantee any one of you, I don't care how boring your business is, if you are pouring concrete into a block every day and selling it, I can make you famous on TikTok doing that. And I can, I can make it so that you probably make more money from the content of doing that than actually physically doing it. Right? I can pretty much guarantee it. Right? And, and, and so that, to me, the power of this social media stuff is just so underrated as a business model. People almost see it as like, and I saw a clip yesterday, it was quite funny, this CEO saying, um, 
we did six videos on 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 TikTok. What what's our ROI? It's like six videos. You know, like what business if you can you know win six bits of business that's it forever? Of course not. Like you've got to keep going. You've got to have a plan. You have a strategy for your social media. I guarantee any one of you here, I can give you a strategy for your social media that will make you more money than your core business within eighteen months. Guarantee it. But the four ways you practically make money on TikTok. First is you get gifts on TikTok, right? When you go on there, if I'm doing live now, there'll be someone watching, giving a gift. Anyone giving a gift right now? Right, so, so someone's giving a gift right now, and it can be 10p, 50p, a pound. The most I ever got one gift, one gift is 750 pounds, right? And uh, verbally on live the other day, someone offered me and has already paid me 10,000 uh, pounds. So, um, can I have a gift, please? Yeah. Thank you. Uh, and, and, you know, I, I, I pledge on my TikTok income. This is my decision. Wouldn't doesn't have to be your strategy. I pledge to give the money away. People give me on TikTok, I give it away. Remember that first Sainsbury's example I, I, I mentioned earlier, right? Thank you. So that's my strategy. It's my feeling. I don't want to take money from people that can't afford it, right? I'm kind of sounds like Robin Hood, but I wanna I wanna yes. help people out there. Right. So when people give me gifts because they like what I'm saying, or they think I'm bringing value, I give that money away. Now you get money from gifts. The second way you can get money. They have a subscription function on there, which I have been dabbling with. I don't like the word subscription, personally. It doesn't fit my, my model. I, I like supporters, partners, but the subscription almost in, indicates that they're going to get something from me directly, right? But there is subscription. At one point, we had 262 subscribers. I stopped doing it. Paying $5.99 a month. Right, but I've stopped doing it, and there's reasons, but that's the second way you can make income. The third way uh, you can make income is, is basically brands pay you to do content. So I have a huge amount of money from QuickBooks who paid me to do a campaign with them around Wimbledon. Um, so, you know, brand, brand sponsorships. Long term on TikTok, um, there is also... Uh, event opportunities. So, um, and this would, the best way to describe this model is like, they have something called TikTok Shop, and you become your own shopping channel, right? So, and, and, and by the way, in, in places like China, people are making hundreds of millions doing this. They just go live to the 20,000 people that will come through my stream today, and I might sell this water bottle, right? And then, out of the 20,000 people in an hour that come through, buy this, there we go. I, I was a shopping channel today, right? I'm a mid-tier influencer. I'm not even up there like with the, with the real players. Yeah, I'm mid-tier. I could sell five, 10,000 of this. Why I'm talking to you guys today? I don't do that. I could do that. That's the power of having the platform. So they're the four ways, right? Um, Fantastic, thank you very much. Very, very exciting. So, what's your aim with the platform now? What's your aim? Or what's your, sorry, what's your aim with your platform, not with the, the TikTok specifically? So, uh, the aim of the platform is to help 10 million people mm -hmm. start and grow a business. So, we want to be the world's largest entrepreneurial network mm -hmm. with a core philosophy of give without take. Mm -hmm. Right? So, the world is built on this system of like give and take. Mm -hmm. Because that's what we're taught is fair. I'll help you, you help me, right? Sounds fair, right? It turns out 
I've discovered something in this period where I didn't need money that has actually made me more money than I ever thought I could actually make, sitting my butt talking to a camera. And that is, if I help you and expect nothing in return, I'm actually free. Like, if I give you £10 and expect it back, I'm going to be a little bit of my brain's taken up worried about that. And then you don't pay it back, and then you avoid me because you can't pay it back. Maybe 10 quid's not enough. I'm thinking like 50 grand. Doesn't you look like a 50 grand kind of guy. <laughs> right? I, I've lent you 50 grand, and then you avoid my calls. There's all this tension now built up, right? And maybe back in, you're like, shit, I just need one good quarter, and I'll give that back to him, but I don't want to see him. I feel bad. Anyway, there's a, I've had that in my life. I'm sure we all have, right? Where we gave something to someone, even if it was advice and they didn't take it, why not? Or money, or help. And we had an expectation of something in return. And it's taken up part of your brain. And it's taught you the wrong thing as well, right? It's taught you this shit that you hear like, um, no good deed goes unpunished. What an awful fucking saying. It's not true. That's in your own mind. That feeling. So I learned this thing, give without take. And what's been amazing about this is, I help you, I have no expectation in return. Now the first thing that happens is, I feel happier. Instantly. Because I've got no expectation. I give people money, I don't expect it back. I give people some help, they don't have to take it. Right? It's amazing. Very freeing. And you feel good. Because we're tribal. Right? We've forgotten this. Politics has made us... Uh, don't you tell me what's... No, 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 I wasn't. I thought you were like... <laughs> no. Simon, time's running, just mate. Got... I've got to go, yeah? <laughs> I'm scratching my um, hand. Sorry, mate. Go get home and make your partner and your wife or girlfriend. You've got your partner, I don't know, actually. Yeah, you, I you, have, yeah. You know, your personal life. I, I was going to say make her happier, so you, that's impossible. You'll get her involved in business. <laughs> but, um, no, so... Uh, sorry, I felt like I've lost my flow there. Um, anyway, the, the short answer to your question about why I see the platform going is that I kind of want to unprogram people. I want people to realise a couple of things. You're capable of anything. We're not born anything, right? You're not born a doctor, you're not born a lawyer. Every single person could be an entrepreneur. It's an unpopular opinion, but it's true. Mm. An entrepreneur isn't one particular profile. There's eight different types of entrepreneurs, right? What type are you? And then what gap do you need to fill? I know an accountant who's an entrepreneur. I know a doctor who's an entrepreneur, right? It's just a question of really being given the tools to be an entrepreneur. That's what's missing. So in the school system, it doesn't allow you to become an entrepreneur. They almost make you feel like, the longer you're in the school system, this happens, that that's the risky thing to do, be an entrepreneur. Which it is. It's a risky thing to do, but so is crossing the road. Right? I honestly believe being an entrepreneur is hard at the beginning, but gets easier over time. Working for someone else is easier at the beginning, gets harder over time. Right? You don't control a lot of the things when you're working for someone else. The narrative, the purpose, what time you have to get to work where you go in the world. None of it is in your control. So I believe everyone should have the opportunity to be an entrepreneur if they wish. And I want to build the world's largest entrepreneur network that helps each other for free. Amazing. Let's give Simon a big, big round of applause. I actually was um, getting close to wrapping it up because of the time, and now I feel that you think I was going to no, tap no, my watch. Enough. It's quite a good psychological uh, <laughs> tap there, I like that. <laughs> Excellent, that was phenomenal. Thank you so much for being here, sharing your experiences, your stories, and um, and your mission, you know, which is one that um, I'm sure are inspiring a lot of people um, here today, including myself. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you for having um, me. Really, really appreciate it. So would you mind now if we um, open up the floor to some questions, and then we will do some pictures, and then we will let you go. Perfect. Oh, you're a superstar. Thanks. Okay, great. So... Who has the first question for Simon today? Let's go with Joe. Scarborough. Yeah, 
Oh, sorry, buddy. Yeah, no problem. Where's Matt? Well remembered, Joy. Hi, Simon. Thanks for coming. Um, it's great um, that you're giving up your time. Um, one of the things you said earlier that just I thought I've got to ask that question is you said you've uh, hacked luck and then you said there's three steps, but you haven't told us them. So You were listening. I was just wondering if you, nice. if you don't one. mind sharing that with us. So it's yeah, so, quite, so, quite an um, important one if someone's hacked luck, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I try to keep it short because um, I find myself explaining these things in, in elaborate ways, but I studied luck, right? Because I, I wrote a book about how I made it. And initially, it was one of those books like, I'm brilliant. You know, like, this is what I did, and then this is what I did, and I did it. And I felt it wasn't honest. So I was like, something missing from it, and luck was it. So I really studied luck intensely. And uh, turns out luck is like this. So only 2% of your life is luck you can't hack. Right, only 2%. The rest is totally hackable. And that 2% example would be where you're born. So this, like I said earlier, like, the harder you work, the luckier you get. Yeah! You're like... Where your mum had you will make a big fucking difference. How did you hustle that one? You inside the belly telling your mum to have you in England, were you? Like, that will make a fucking big difference to your life where you're born. Stats, will, you know, all day long around this, yeah? Where you're born will make a big difference. Life expectancy, opportunity, education, all of it, yeah? But it's only 2% of your life. Now, what's really fucking interesting is that 2%, if it's bad, let's say you are born into a, a difficult neighbourhood in America... Um, if any of you have seen the recent uh, movie, I don't want to say his name, uh, but a recent movie about a boxing star whose pigeon's head got chopped off and he got so angry, he ended up fighting, became world champion boxer. Now, if he hadn't had that difficult upbringing, he wouldn't have become world champion. 98% is hackable in this three steps. First and most important, probably, it's not the harder you work, the luckier you get. It's the more risk you take, the luckier you get. That's what should be flying around the internet. For some reason it's not. Don't know why. And the reason risk is a funny one is because for a lot of people, <clears throat> fear kicks in with risk. Yeah? So the other thing I notice that people misunderstand is in modern society, fear is seen as something you can just turn off. So I might say, um, I, know, I remember the first time I was asked to do a, a speech in public to a thousand people. I'm like, well, I'll just say no. I'll just don't really want the pressure. I won't sleep well tonight if I know I've got to speak tomorrow. So mm. just say no, right? Fear is something given to us as a superpower. Fear, original design, a lion's coming towards us. We're feeling fear. We can run faster. We think differently. We survive. We have superpowers. You're meant to feel fear. It sharpens you up. It makes you do things that you otherwise perhaps wouldn't have done, right? Fear is good. People are just leading into fear. I look for fear. I can't find it. I hardly feel fear in anything now. I'm looking for it all the time. When I feel it, I know I'm alive. I'm learning. I'm pushing myself. Because if you can learn to love fear, you can take risk. And you can sit on your butt all day long, work for 20 minutes, take a risk, and be successful. Right? Second element is know your destination. A lot of people don't. So I've invested in 76 startups. One of the first questions I ask people when they ask for investment, I say, where are you going with this? What are you trying to do? And when they answer, this just happened recently, when they answer like this, they say, someone just said this, so it's an impression in my mind. Oh, yeah, I'm going to sell it to uh, Uber for a billion dollars. I'm like, nice, but that's not a destination. Money 
is just fuel for the car. Where is the car going? Now, once you know where the car's going, turns out quite often you can do it on a bike. And you don't need the fuel. You don't need the investors, for example. You can do it on cash flow or you can do it through sales. Right? Once you know your destination. But so many people go round and round in circles burning up the fuel, thinking they need money because they don't know where they're going. Where's, where are you ending up? And if you know where you're going, you can get the right people in the car with you. You can pack for when you get there. You can plan. People don't know their destination. I know my destination. I'm going to help 10 million people start and grow a business. So I know exactly what I'm doing. And I'll know when I get there too. And the third thing to increase luck is something I kind of heard just before I came in you talking about, which I think is really important. And it's kind of, I frame it as persistence. Right? Now, I have quit things. It's important to know when to quit as well. But persistence is key. There was a study done by Stanford around the best salespeople, the top 10% of salespeople, the best salespeople, right? Top 10%. On average, will contact someone five times before they give up. So, you know, you email them and don't reply, email again, don't reply, you drop a voice message or something, don't reply, maybe you send them something, don't reply. You wait over three or four weeks, it's starting to sound like you're like a stalker. And, you, and, they, and I had so many sales meetings, I'm sure we've all had it, where the person who's doing the sales comes in and says, they don't want it. And you dig a little bit deeper, what do you mean they don't want it? What did they say then? Oh, I haven't been able to get through to them. Well, they don't. How do you know they don't want it? The top 1% of salespeople, turns out I'm one of these people by accident, didn't know this, have this persistent streak. And so the top 1%, and this is what happened to me. When I started Fluid, I wrote down the 50 companies I want to work with, right? Apple, CNN, Estee Lauder, all the companies I respected that I felt I'd love to work with to learn from them and I felt I could help them. Every single month for nine years, I would somehow reach out to those companies, whether it was Happy Chinese New Year. How many people knew it was Chinese New Year three days ago? Put your hand up. Right? Happy Chinese New Year. Well, hey, thanks. Didn't know it was Happy Chinese New Year. Or Happy Birthday to the person who's in that department. Or here's a bit of research. I just found out what BMW um, should be doing because this company over here called Tesla, have you heard of them? They're doing this. They're launching this soon. I was just reading a report about them. Oh, I didn't know about that. Value every single month for nine years. It took me nine years to get all of those companies on that list as my clients. Persistence. I didn't five times contact them and they said no. Those are the three steps to getting more luck. Know your destination, more persistence, take risk. Great question, great answer, well done. Dean, I think you had a question. Um, yeah, so you, mentioned, yeah. you mentioned at the start, uh, hi, by the way. Um, I, I struggle a little bit with my financial side of things and the, the business side of things, running it from an early age in school. I think that's an absolutely amazing idea to bring it to school. So you just touch on that a little bit. Um, so, yeah, I, I think financial literacy generally is very teachable. Right, like for example, uh, who here believes that their home that they live in right now is an asset? Put up your hand. Right, I mean this is one of the most basics. This is not your house is not an asset; it's a liability. Right, anything that costs you money every month is a liability. Now you can argue about, oh, I'm not paying rent, but that's still not income. Right, your home that you own is a liability. Fact. Just teaching people that basic principle is very doable, and I'm shocked how many people in this room probably don't know it. People still think it's an asset. Even though I've said it to you, you're so brainwashed by this point, you think that's an asset, that even I'm telling you this, you're still thinking it's an asset. I know you are. 
Yeah, because you're like, oh, we'll go up in value. So what? So what? It's not an asset. It's costing you money every month, right? And then you'll say, well, if I have to pay out on rent, won't that be, uh, well, I'll be losing money. No, you haven't put down deposit. You haven't got to maintain it, right? Do what I did. I got, I got my first accommodation was Barker. I did with a cricket club. My office and my home were the same thing. Elon Musk, the same thing. Everybody pretty much successful didn't give a shit about property. And I've said it carefully because there's money being made in property. I know that. But I'm saying as a place you live in, it's a liability. So I think my feeling is these basics should be taught. And if the school don't want to do it, and I think they don't want to do it, whatever, you can call it conspiracy theory if you like, but I don't think they want to teach people this. Because if everyone becomes financially free, then who's going to take up the debt? You know, credit card companies were originally called debt cards, and they changed them to credit cards, so people would think it was a positive thing. Right? And then the credit court score companies came along, and they're privately owned, and manipulated people into thinking you need a credit card to get a credit score, because you can't buy shit without a good credit score. Right? So I think all of that needs explaining to people, and then people will understand how to leverage good debt and bad debt, and how it works. And it can all be done in one classroom setting, one afternoon session when you're nine years old, I think. Um, I don't know if I'm answering your question, but I think it's, and if they won't do it, I'll do it through social media and, and, and I promote other people that do it. I work with someone called Mark Tilbury, for example, also a big social media influencer. He, he, he promotes financial literacy, and so I'll work with people that do it too. Thank you. Fantastic. Okay, great. Let's get a question from over here. Good question, good answer. Who's got one over this side? Nick. How you doing? We'll take one more after you, Nick. All right, I'm Nick. Um, I was going to ask the luck question, to be honest. I've listened to a few of your podcasts and you've dabbled with it, saying, look, you're going to explain it. But I've not listened to them all. But um, who's, what's next for your podcast? Who, who would you like to have on to ask the questions to? So, so yeah, uh, tomorrow night, who am I interviewing? What bank? You started a bank, a billion-dollar bank. Yeah. I've suddenly forgotten the name of it. Neo, sorry? Yes, Oak North, yeah. So I'm interviewing the founder of Oak North tomorrow. He started a bank. Um, and so, yeah, I'm always interested in people that create billion-dollar companies that are financial institutions. Yeah. And so, my 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 favorite. You didn't ask me this, but my favorite interview so far. I should be careful in case the other guests get offended. But um, I I interviewed the founder of the iPod. Right. So who was the inventor of the iPod? Do you guys know? What's his name? Isn't this amazing? I bet you all kind of think Steve Jobs, right? No, no. Tony Fidel. He invented the iPod, and he then went on to start a company called Nest, mm. and sold that to Google for three point two billion. And I loved interviewing him because uh, he was very passionate. But he told me his one regret in life, which I think people don't aren't honest about very often, uh, and he uh, made me cry telling me that regret. Um, but the, uh, yeah, I, I, think, I think it's really interesting to hear stories of people that kind of um, started with zero and, and made it. And that's why I like interviewing billionaires, because I feel like a lot of them are misunderstood, yeah. often seen as greedy. You know, when we talk about like avoiding tax, I've joked around a few times. Most of them are doing it because they want to put the money directly into things that they think they can solve. It's not because they want to avoid tax, most of them. Yeah. I'm not saying that's true for all of them. But the point is that often they think that if I take the money and do something good with it, it will have a direct impact on that problem I care about. Or if I give it to government, then they'll just use it to you know, fund whatever agenda they personally got um, and often squander a lot of the opportunities. 
So, yeah. Excellent, well done, good stuff. Okay, we've got time for one more question. Who's got one? Excellent, all right, cool, good stuff. So what we're gonna do then is we're gonna take some pictures now, that'd be fantastic. Let's give Simon another big, big round of applause. Come and grab this table for me, that'd be great, thank you. Thank you very much.